how they do that? It's all about perspective, right? It's like it messes with your perspective. For example, you may see this picture here, kind of interesting. You're like, that's really interesting. But actually, what it is is this. But it looks to you like it's this. It's all about your perspective. And what I want to challenge you this morning is to have a proper perspective. So we've been talking about identity and who we are in Christ. And um, if you are a saint, and let me describe that, a saint is a person who has confessed their sins, repented of their sins, and asked Christ to be their Savior. If you have done that, you are a saint. That's how the Bible calls you. That's what the Bible calls you. The Bible calls you a saint. You have a new identity. Now, some people get a little upset when I say this, but you're not a sinner. Sinners are people who live in rebellion and unrepentance and have never trusted Christ. The New Testament never calls people who have trusted Christ sinners. It calls them saints. Paul always says to the saints at the church of Philippi, to the saints at the church of Ephesus, even to the saints at the church of Corinth, the most carnal church, he still calls them saints. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a new identity. You are a saint. Now, if you're here this morning or watching by Facebook and you're not, uh, you've never responded to Christ's call in your life and asked Him to be your Lord and Savior and place your faith and trust in Him, I'm just going to say that this sermon is not really for you, but I hope you listen in. Because there's some really incredible benefits that we have as saints. And if you're not a saint, I challenge you... Whether you're watching this or, or in this room and you're like, I don't know if I have a relationship with Christ, I challenge you to give your heart and life to Him today. Because if you have, then you are a saint and you're not a sinner because you've trusted Christ as your saint. Now, because again, I remind you, a sinner is a person who's never repented of their sin. They're a person who's never put their faith and trust in Christ. Now, a saint may sin because saints still have a sin nature, but... A saint will not want to sin. If you're truly a saint, you want to live for your Savior. When or if you sin as a saint, when you sin, you'll feel, con you'll feel convicted about that. You won't want to stay there. You won't want to live in sin. If you're truly a saint, you won't want to live in sin. Because as a saint, you are a new creation. You're a new person. And in fact, we've been going through this in Ephesians. I'll just give you a recap. Paul says, listen, God sees you in Christ as a holy person. He sees you in Christ as blameless. Why? Because Jesus has paid it all. God sees you in Christ as adopted into his family. He sees you as freed from the slavery of sin. Sin is no longer your master. He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as accepted. This is how God sees you as a saint. When God looks at you, he looks at you through Christ. If you're a saint, he sees you in Christ and you are a new creation. He sees you as a person who's been reconciled to him. You who are far away are now brought near. You are now with Christ. And so again, one thing I've been encouraging you for those of us who are saints, be humble in who you are. Don't forget what God has done for you. We aren't to look down on sinners. We need to pray for them. We want to see them come to Christ. We want them to have these incredible benefits. But these are the benefits that only saints have. And here's the thing. Satan wants you to forget that you're a saint. He doesn't want you and I to identify ourselves as saints. 
Again, Satan wants to change your perspective. He wants you to have the wrong perspective when it comes to who you are in life. You see, and there's, the word saints has been so misused. Saint, Satan wants you to believe that a saint is really just a believer who has died and now they're a saint. You know, now they're floating around on a cloud with a halo top. Those are the saints. No, if you're alive, you're still a saint. Satan wants you to believe that, that saints are people who have performed two or three or had two or three miracles accredited to their name and the council got together and said, we now designate you as a saint. No, New Testament says all believers are saints. It isn't somebody that just went through, you know, had all this stuff. Uh, people, people want to say, well, saints are people who have had exceptional grace in their life and have had exceptional life of good works. That true person is a saint. Like, you know, we'll say Saint Teresa. Look, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a saint. That's who you are. And I, I don't know about y'all. Maybe I'm more excited about this than others. But this has radically changed how I've looked at my life. When I started identifying myself as a saint and not, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. I, I used to be a sinner. And yes, I do sin. I'm not saying I don't sin. But I'm a saint with all the benefits that God sees me as a saint. But Satan wants you to not see yourself from that perspective. He wants to see you to see yourself from another perspective. That he wants you to say, well, I'm just a sinner. I just... No, he, the perspective you need to see yourself is, I'm a saint. This is who I am. This is who God says I am in Christ. I am freed from the slavery of sin. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm reconciled. I'm adopted. I am holy in his sight. I am blameless in his sight. That is who I am. I can say no to sin. I can't. I can say no to sin. But again, if you don't have that perspective, you forget. And that's why in Ephesians, we've been going through it. Paul, at the chapter 1, we're going to jump in chapter 2 today, but at the end of chapter 1, when he's talking about all these benefits that you have, are, uh, you have in Christ as a saint, that's why in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I believe what Paul's saying is, I'm praying that you'll have the right perspective of who you are. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened, that you'll get it, that you'll see yourselves as saints and who you are in Christ so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the glorious riches are his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. Paul says, I, I just pray that you guys will see the immeasurable greatness of his power to the saints, us who believe according to the vast working of his great saints. And again, when we, when we go around and say, well, I'm just a sinner, I believe you're looking at yourself. If you're a saint, you're, you're looking at the wrong perspective. And that's it's the perspective Satan wants you to have. He wants you to say, well, I just can't help it. I just can't. I'm addicted. Well, I just can't. I just can't. Look, identify yourself for who you are. I'm a saint. And I can say no to sin through the power of Christ that works in me. Instead of saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, why don't you say, I am just a sinner that I am a saint who was a sinner that has been saved by grace because I have put my faith and trust in Jesus. I am a saint who is holy in God's sight, blameless, adopted, forgiven, freed, accepted, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's who I am. That's the right perspective that we are to see ourselves. And it's important that you keep the right perspective because if you don't, 
you'll get defeated. Satan wants us, followers of Jesus, to live in defeat. I look at the world today, and let's face it, this world is crazy. And it's getting crazier by the moment. Politics are crazy, you know, we're all being told the world's going to end, you know, in a few years or whatever. We're all constantly being told, you know, don't eat eggs or don't eat steak or don't grill out or, you know, we're all this don't, 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 you know, and life's just doom and gloom. And, you know, if you take all that message, no wonder so many people are depressed. I mean, it's estimated in 2017 that 1.4 million Americans attempted suicide. Suicide's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. You know why I think that is? Because people are depressed. They, 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 all they see is doom and gloom. And even Christians, in fact, uh, Charles Hannaford is a clinical psychologist that works with a lot of Southern Baptist pastors, and he's done this for the last 30 years, has said that the suicide rate amongst pastors has gone up. Why? Of all people, are pastors committing suicide? Because they keep looking at life from the wrong perspective. They're not claiming who they are in Christ. So how do you keep from being depressed? How do you keep from just wanting to give up? How do you keep moving forward? Well, you have to have the proper perspective. And the proper perspective is powerful. If you and I will see ourselves as God sees us, if you're a saint... It's a powerful, powerful thing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And again, it's in those little short books in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Georgia Electric Power Company. Maybe that'll help you remember that section. I don't know. But um, again, Paul's writing this letter from prison. It's one of the prison epistles. And Paul in Ephesians really reminds the Ephesian believers who they are as saints. He starts off, to the saints in Ephesus. And this whole letter is reminding us of who we are in Christ and the benefits we have in Christ. And all through this letter you see in Christ, in him, through him. Paul's constantly reminding us who we are in Christ. So we're going to pick up chapter 2, verse 18 as we've been journeying through this. So here's what Paul says. For through him, speaking of Jesus, we, and he's talking to the saints... Both, and I'm just going to stop at each word here right now, both is Jew and Gentile, because that's what he had been dealing with, okay? Because you had the church, you had Jews, but you also had Gentiles. He says, through him, through Christ, we, Jews and Gentiles, both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Let me give you the proper perspective. Saints have access to God. You as a saint... If you have put your faith and trust in Christ, have access to God. Once again, sinners don't have access to God. Now, he'll hear the prayer of a sinner who's in, hum in humbling themselves in repentance of sin and turning to Christ. God hears that prayer. But the people that have the ear of God are the saints. Saints have that. And, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you had uh, special access to something? So anybody ever had a backstage VIP pass? That's so cool, right? Some of y'all have been paid. I know some people pay good money to do that. You know, years ago, down the street, there used to be the Paramount Music Palace. And uh, I was associated with them for a while. 
And uh, so it was really cool. I felt like I was big stuff, you know, you're a 19-year-old kid. But, you know, when the organist would be on break, Bill or Donna or Dwight or whatever, I could go and knock on the door. And I could go back there and hang out in the, in the green room in the back. Okay. I felt cool because, you know, everybody's sitting there eating their pizza like, who's that kid walking in there in the back? You know, so I just kind of felt cool. I can go out there, you know, or, uh, and things like that. And it's really a cool feeling, right, when you have, like, special access. Well, listen, saints... You have it. You have VIP access to God. How does that happen, Jim? When you pray. You're not talking to the carpet. You're not bouncing off the ceilings. God's saying, one of my saints is talking to me. And you have access to God. You know, and again, I want to challenge you. I'm not going to get on a sermon on prayer. I want to challenge you to listen to how you pray. I get a little, and again, I've done this to myself a lot, because I think we say things when we pray just by rote. They're not really talking to God sometimes, okay? So listen to how you pray. Like I I was telling a a brother in Christ, uh, you know, so many times we say, Lord, help me to trust you. Okay, why don't you say this? Lord, I will trust you. Give me the power, I will trust you. Because I was telling my brother, I said, you know, when we always say, Lord, help me to trust you, what we're kind of saying is, I can't do it, and if I don't do it, then I guess it was your fault, because you didn't really help me. Why don't you say, Lord, I will trust you, because I will put my trust in you. Lord, give me peace. Lord, you know what? I'm going to rest in your arms and enjoy your peace. Thank you for that. You know, and again, just listen to yourself pray. And again, I don't... Sometimes we say, like, God, be with so-and-so. Look, God's already there. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I need to go over and be with somebody. For no, he's already there. <laughs> you know, when you pray, how do you pray? You know, so, as saints, you know, when we pray for somebody who's sick, certainly we want to pray for the healing. But I also pray, God, I pray for this brother or sister as they're going through the cancer. I do certainly pray for their healing. But I pray in the midst of that, that the fruit of the spirit of patience will be exercised in their heart. That the fruit of the spirit of joy will be in the midst of difficult circumstances. That's what I'm praying for. Yes, I want them to be healed, certainly, but... I don't know what you're going to do. But in the midst of that, I do want to see the Holy Spirit work with that. So again, you as saints, you and I have access to God. All right? We have access to the Father. And another way you get access to the Father is here. Read His Word. I want to challenge you to spend time in the Word. Uh, you know, use a, an app. Several of us use a version app, and a lot of us do things together on that. But however you choose to do that, spend time in the Word. And you know, nowadays with all the technology, a lot of times I'll put my Bible on and listen to my uh, Bible as I'm driving down the road. And somebody's like, oh, can you do that? Is that spiritual? Well, guess what? In the first century, they didn't have Bibles. You know how they heard the word? They heard it in the synagogue when it was read. That's how they heard it. Because you didn't have a Bible in your house. I mean, when you went to the synagogue and they turned to Ephesians, they had to pull the scrolls out. Okay? You heard the word. That's how it was. So it's nothing wrong with listening as you go down the road. 
to the scriptures. I find that sometimes uh, even different than reading it because you're taking it in and processing it. But that's how God, you have access to the Father when you read his word. You have access to the Father when you're in prayer. I want you to have the proper perspective, saints, that you have the attention of the most powerful being in the universe. You have access, when you and I pray, to the king of all the kings, to the Lord of all the lords. It's made available through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean every prayer you pray is going to get answered the way you want it to get answered? No. God sees everything. You and I don't. Does it mean it's going to be answered in your timing? No. His timing is perfect. But just know this. Your heavenly Father hears and sees. And you have access. So again, that proper perspective is very powerful. So I challenge you when you pray. You're in the throne room of grace. Look at Next part, verse 19. He says, so then you, and again, he's speaking to saints, are no longer foreigners and strangers. Now, do you know what it's like to be a foreigner or strangers? Anybody ever been into a foreign country? Anybody? Okay. We have some missionaries. I just met Elizabeth and Jared. Okay. They're going to be serving as missionaries in Germany. So, um, and in fact, at the end of the service, I'd like you all to come up and let's pray over your family. Okay, because I know that's a big step uh, as they're getting ready to go to Germany. I, many years ago, I had a doctor friend of mine that served in Macau. And so we went and spent about 10 days in Macau. Now, if you've never been in a foreign country, it is a different feeling. First of all, when you go to China, Macau, part of China now, um, I, I don't get Chinese, you know. Somebody speaks Spanish, I can pick up words every once in a while, you know, but Chinese, I have no, I can't even figure out how they write that. That's amazing to me. It's just, but, you know, so we had little cards that we would give to the cab driver that told him where the mission house was. Because if one of us got separated, you were in trouble. And you, when you went to the restaurant to order, which they had McDonald's over there, okay, and pretty much tastes just like here, you know. Wherever you go McDonald's, it's always going to taste the same. But they did have some different things on the menu. But the way we had to order was pointing at pictures. Because I can't speak Chinese. And, and, and the way the Chinese culture is, it's a lot different than our culture. I mean, Macau is like really crammed full of people. And they have no sense of personal space. I mean, they're like right up in your nose. That's just them. And, and, and it, no sense of personal space. And, and the smells were different. The open air markets, a lot of smells. And we saw things that might make you kind of sick to your stomach. You know, I saw a guy taking, take live fish out and flop it down on the ground, chop its head off, you know, and sell to people. That's how they do. So when you're, now if you lived in Macau and you grew up that way, you don't think anything about it, right? Smells, you're used to it and the sights, you know, the language and stuff. But when you're a foreigner, it's like, Ah, well, again, in the early church, the Gentiles were coming into the church. By the way, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Welcome to the club. I'm sure most of us in here, if all of us are. You were coming into the church, and you didn't grow up like the Jews. You didn't grow up with the Old Testament laws. You didn't grow up tr worshiping the one true God. You grew up worshiping pagan gods. You, worship, you, grew, you grew up in a very pagan culture, and now suddenly, if you were a Gentile who had received Christ, you were coming into this gathering, and you had a lot of Jewish folks that they had grown up worshiping God. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the laws. And so if you 
you were a Gentile coming in the church, you were like, I don't know if I belong here. I didn't have a good background, you know, and things like that. You, you know, you may have had tats all over you and things like that, because that's what the Gentiles did, and the pagans did in that culture, and, and that's fine, whatever, but the Jews did not do that, because there was an Old Testament command against it, so you're coming in, you got your tats and your earrings and your leather jacket on, and the Jews are looking at you like, mm -hmm, and you're like, I don't know if I belong here. And Paul says, hey, listen, let me remind you guys, saints, Jews, Gentiles, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers. You are all one in Christ. That's who you are. Again, proper perspective is very powerful. And let me tell you this, another thing. Not only do we as saints, if you're a saint, not only do we have access to God, but here's another thing. We are citizens of heaven. I don't know about you, but as crazy as this world's getting, I'm ready. Because this place is nuts. I'm glad that I am a citizen of heaven. This world is not my head. Now, let me just say this. Don't be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. <laughs> You probably know some people like that. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Because remember, Paul said earlier in the text there in chapter 10 and verse 10 that God has called us to do good works, which he has called us. So, okay, so don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But you are, Paul says, fellow citizens with the saints. And again, the you here, I believe, is directed specifically to the Gentiles. And he's saying, okay, Jews, or Gentiles, let me remind you. You guys with the leather jackets and the tats and everything else, now that you're, you're a disciple of Jesus, you're not a foreigner, you're not a stranger, you're a fellow citizen with everybody else. We're all one big family in Christ. He is the equalizer, and you are a citizen. If you're a saint, your citizenship's not here. Now, where is the citizenship? It's in heaven. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 3. He says, but ours, talking to saints again, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, our citizenship is in heaven. So I want to remind you of that. This is not your ultimate home here. Okay? This is not your ultimate home. So sometimes we get all upset about politics and you probably get your stomach all tightened up. Don't forget, this ain't home. Heaven is your home. Have the proper perspective. Here's another thing. Proper perspective is powerful. Saints are members of God's household. You're citizens of heaven. We have access to the throne of God. Right now when we prayed, he heard it. He knows it. And you're members of God's household. You're members of God's household. And you know, Paul says that the household that you and I are members of, we're members of God's household, and it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And notice Paul didn't say that it was built on the law. He said it was built on the prophets and the apostles. And what did the apostles do and the prophets? They told about the coming Messiah. They called people to repent of their sin. And Paul says that is, that's the foundation of the house that you're a part of. And he says this, that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Now, I'm not a builder, 
But from what I understand, in masonry, the cornerstone is the most important part. Because when they lay that, it's off the cornerstone that all the measurements go. And the alignment for the building goes. And so Paul says, Jesus is everything ties back into him. But you are members of God's household. And notice this, what, what Paul says, the whole building, God's household, being built together by Jesus. So we don't build the house. He does the work. It's being built by him into a holy sanctuary. And again, that word holy means set apart. Guess what saint means? Set apart ones. So we are that holy house. And, and, and we are part of God's sanctuary. Again, you are the church, not this building. It's just a building we meet in. You, saints, are, mem- are God's household. You, saints, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why you and I, saints, need to do everything we can to maintain these temples. We know they're decaying, but we should still keep those temples because they are, we are to be good stewards of those. But we, the, you are, as you're walking around down the street, and you and I are walking around the street as, as saints, we need to remember, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why throughout the scriptures, Paul says, look, saints, don't use your bodies for immorality. Don't pump pornography in your mind. Don't do these things with your temple. Because, but Satan doesn't want you to have that perspective. He just wants you to think, it's my body, I can do with it whatever I want. No, it's not. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your what? Body. Right? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You've got to have the proper perspective because the proper perspective is very powerful. And finally, the proper perspective is saints are not alone. Look at verse 22. He says, you, saints, are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone. Sometimes you may feel like nobody cares. You're all alone. But remember this, saint, you're never alone. You are never alone. God is in you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And by the way, that's something the Old Testament believers did not experience. There was sometimes feelings here and there. But we as saints in the New Testament, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit from day one. That's incredible. And the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. As we, as we look into God's Word, the Holy Spirit comforts us. When we don't know how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Because sometimes I don't know how to pray. I don't know exactly how to, to deal with the situation. But I know this, God does. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables you and I to live out who we are. The Holy Spirit enables us to say no to sin. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's who we are. The proper perspective is very powerful. So here's my question. Do you, if you know that you've responded to Christ and you've bowed your knee and confessed of your sin and said, Lord, I want to turn from my sin and turn to you. If you know you've done that and you're like, I know I'm His then my question is, do you have the proper perspective 
on who you really are. Are you walking around in defeat? Then you've lost your perspective. Because you're a saint. And you're not alone. You're not a foreigner or a stranger to God. You're not disconnected from God. You are not a slave to sin. You've been freed from, from slavery to sin. You are bought and paid for. You are freed. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are sealed. You are reconciled. You are holy. You are blameless. That is who you are. That's who you are. Don't ever forget it. Do you have the proper perspective? Has Satan convinced you that, well, you just, you just can't help it? <laughs> it's a lie. Through Christ you can. Through Christ you can. Oh, God doesn't care about you. No, that's a lie. Because through Christ I have access to the Father. Have the proper perspective. So when I show you this picture, you know what really it is. She's not a little girl sitting in a big chair. She's a fully grown woman who's just sitting a few feet away, but it looks like that's what she is. Don't let Satan fool you. Every day, I want to challenge you. Get up and remind yourself of who you are. When you get up in the morning, say, this is who I am in Christ. Holy, blameless, freed from the slavery of sin. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I am reconciled to God. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. I have access to the Father who is in heaven. This is who I am. I am a member of God's household. This is who I am. Suit up. Walk out the door. Put on the armor and go fight. Let's pray. Father, Satan wants us to forget who we are in Christ. I pray for all the saints who are in this room, those who are watching on Facebook today, that they will not forget that in Christ this is who we are. Lord, if there is a saint in this room, a person who says, I know Jesus is my Savior, but they are voluntarily living in the slavery of sin, that they'll repent because you did not save them to be slaves again to sin. You redeemed them from the bondage of sin. And so, Father, there may be some saints who have walked voluntarily back into the clutches of sin. I pray right now that they will confess, repent, and turn. And they will say, that's not who I am. That's not how I'm going to live. I'm going to live for my Savior who redeemed me. Father, there may be somebody watching today or somebody in this room who has never, they say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but they have never put their faith, personal faith and trust in Christ alone. I pray right now in their chair or on wherever they're watching this broadcast that they'll just say, Lord, I know I've lived in rebellion against you. I've sinned against you. Please forgive me of my sin. I'm turning to you. Please save me. I pray that maybe somebody did that right now. And that they'll tell somebody, I am a saint. I have responded to Jesus. I am his. I am a saint. Father, thank you for saving. Thank you for your son.
And I pray that all the saints who are listening today, including myself, will always keep the proper perspective. We give you all the praise for this morning and everything that's happened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.